0: Moncrief, on Talk. Anyway, time now for farming. Maureen, how are you today?
1: I'm very well. I was just thinking when you were talking about conventions for criminals, I was thinking of the film, is it Some Like It Hot? Yes. Ma- Marilyn Monroe and um, who else is in it? Um, anyway, there's a crowd of musicians and they all head to Florida and they end up at a criminals convention. So it's it's a real funny film now if anyone wants to watch it. Um,
0: very funny, right? Criminal convention, God, (laughs) that that was the old days. Things are more innocent then. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Tony Curtis was in it. Yes, that's right.
0: Yeah, and Jack Lemmon. Well done. They were
1: too They yeah, they dressed up. They were dressed as women. Yeah, that's right. And uh, but I always remember the piece where they were under the table. The, the big dining table, and all the criminals were around and they were, you know, out to get each other. And the two boys were trying to stay still under the table. And uh, of course, they were playing footsie with the wrong people. But it, it was hilarious, funny now. Hilarious is the word for it.
0: Uh, now, uh, the, uh, it, it has been dry more or less since we last spoke. There was a bit of rain today on the East Coast. How's, how's it been where you are? Oh, I'm glad
1: you're getting a bit of rain over there. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now you know what we feel
1: like for the last week yeah look at it's we can't complain um silage is getting made and that's that's in very important at this stage we're a bit behind here this time last year we'd everything made with all the silage made the sheep sheared and everything done for the first of june this year we've nothing done um because the weather hasn't allowed it to be done so um but saying that an awful lot of silage is being made the roads are busy with tractors and thank you for your forbearance it's much appreciated um it's only going to go on for another few weeks well then there'll be second cut silage of course so but it's not as intense as the first cut and getting that grass into the shed um so uh, yeah with us now we have the the, the sheep we, we haven't been able to shear them because the weather was too cold, and the wool hadn't risen, and you need the wool to be risen to be able to, for the shearer to be able to um, take it off, take it off as a fleece and not cut the o mm. or cut the sheep as they're doing it. So th- they weren't really in a position. We didn't have too good did dry days because you can't cut a fleece or, or shear a fleece that's wet; that's hopeless. So you have to wait until they're dry, and so we haven't had that kind of weather. But, not, but it still means that they have heavy fleeces on their backs now, and if they go to sit down on a kind of a brow or anything like that, um, and any, a brow of a hill, you know, on a hilly field mm. or a slopey field, they can end up going over on their back with their four legs pointing in the air, and they're absolutely helpless, to predators. And so I, that's,
0: the, yeah, and you've mentioned this before, it's of birds, like birds are. Bastards. Birds go
1: within within minutes. The birds are on them, and yeah. the crows and the, the the jackdaws, and they're down and they're at their eyes. Yeah. and um, and it is it is a job that is a job that has to be done in June if you haven't the sheep sheared because the wool can make you know in the winter time you know well from now onwards when they're sheared you know they only have their body to think of when they're getting up but this big ball of wool that's around them um you you need to get it off them uh, and if you can't because of the weather or because you know it's hard enough to get a shearer now, and most mm. of the shearers Nimerick sheep in Nimrick are sheared by fellas up from Kerry um and you know it's it's probably going to be in the future where it'll be hard to find shearers to do the work because it's back breaking it's really heavy work but um but until we get them sheared now in the next two weeks, hopefully uh it's a it's a job that has to be done two or three times a day to just go out and check the fields and make sure everybody is everything is standing upright and there's nobody
0: in trouble oh god gotcha. yeah and on a related but, note now there's um uh, there's been a a report on uh, it's it, there's been a wood a wool feasibility study that's due to be published yeah, in November
1: well, we, we, we we I mentioned this last week so I dug out a bit more information on it because you know again I'm very conscious of all the people who are talking about natural and going back to nature and natural products. And there's nothing as natural as wool. And it's been, you know, wool is was the the material that kept us warm, not cotton, not silk. We couldn't afford it, the vast majority of people. But wool is what kept people warm and kept the weather away from them. And, you know, it's 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 really dirt cheap now i mean for, for what the farmer gets for it it's absolutely nothing it doesn't even cover the cost of shearing the sheep not a mind making any money on it um so but and and that has been recognized by the department of agriculture that a totally natural project is like treated like dirt you'd be you know you could burn it and you'd make you know it wouldn't cost you as much but uh, so in twenty, there um, in twenty, the last budget, there was a hundred thousand allocated to review the demand on international markets for wool-based products such as insulation and fertilizer. Now I don't know how they do the fertilizer out of wool, but there must be some way of processing it. So that's been out for consultation. They had they had terms of reference set up. They got thirty eight submissions of ideas of what to do with wool and how to get the international markets involved. And he expects it, um the Minister, McConnell, Charlie mcconnellog expects it all to be done by this November. And the hope is that it will provide a roadmap to the future of the wool industry here in Ireland.
0: Yeah. Now, why have things gone so bad, though, for wool in general?
1: But the, the, well, you see, it all depends. If the Chinese get a sneeze, we get pneumonia. Um, if the Chinese are not in the market... Uh, for wool um generally the wool prices decline dramatically now that could be because they're not expanding their army, so they don't have to put, make uniforms hmm. or they're not into making carpets anymore um, so that's part of the problem uh at the moment the, the the Chinese are not looking for uh not looking for wool, so the market isn't there for it but I mean you know the vast majority of clothes that you buy now are synthetic. And yet we're all into organic and natural and wool seemingly is just ignored in that. Now, it could be a part, a problem with the processors. It could be that we, we don't have in Ireland, like in New Zealand, they have merino wool, which is suitable for knitwear. Here, our wool mostly goes to making carpets. Um, so are we, if we were in the business of making, of growing sheep or having sheep for to produce wool, you wouldn't have the current breeds that we have. But there still should be enough demand for the product and not have it treated as complete, you know, dirt. Once upon a time here, we, the, wool, the wool check would be able to pay for the shearing and pay for the medicines for the year. Um, now it wouldn't pay for a fifth of the shearing and hmm. not a mind the medicines. Is
0: there, an, is there an argument then for maybe switching to a different breed of sheep?
1: Well, you see, you'd have to have guaranteed markets because there's no point in putting in a hundred yos yeah. and you, and then you'd have to have the volume of people prepared to do that as well. So um, you know the market is good for for lamb at the moment, and uh, and has been for the last couple of years. So you know you you hardly rarely hear me complaining about it. Um, so you know that there is a return there, but it's just it's it's a, a horrid thing to see this product go to waste that is so you know fundamentally part of our history part of you know uh, you know it's it's just been there for so long and it's now has a, has no real use or value it it's a
0: shame uh, right uh, also uh, there's been a couple of blight warnings
1: yeah i don't know about you but um a few years ago i bought the book um the geography of the famine it's a ucc press uh fabulous uh, the only thing is you need a book stand to read it because it's so heavy but it's a fabulous um, production and I, I started to read about the famine I'd always been deadly interested about it and um, deadly is the right and uh, it's the right word and I was just thinking 18 you know um, 1845 1846 47 48 this time of the year there was a blight warning and they didn't know there was blight they couldn't have a warning. And they couldn't, even if they did, they could do nothing about it. And I always thought, again, they had plenty of food at this time of the year, but people had run, their stocks had run low and the potatoes, they were waiting for the first crop of potatoes to come in and it never came. And there's a story in that book about um, a land agent going out to review his fields. They had turned this valley in Tipperary into an absolute fabulous place to grow potatoes and they had reclaimed the soil and everything in the process and it was a model farm and he going out and he admiring all the potatoes in blossom and then he started to get this smell and it was rancid and rotten and within 24 hours all the beautiful plants he'd been looking at the day before had disintegrated Mm -hmm. into muck and but so i don't know you know we think things are bad now and we you know people give out a lot and we don't ever seem to be happy with what we have. But just, you know, if you're taking a vacation this year and you go down around Galway or Clare or Mayo and you look at the lazy beds that were never cultivated again after that crop because people just were gone from those valleys mm. and they never returned. And, you know, it, it's, it's a great thing. I think when you see when I hear a blight warning, I think of all those poor people. And there was nothing for them and no future for them. And so many of them died in such agony. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a history, I think, we're nearly afraid to talk about still because of what it, um, the emotions that it can yeah.
0: bring forth. And in, I suppose nowadays, though, if there's a blight warning, does that mean just go out and spray them?
1: Yes, and I think is it's is it what bluestone used to be what I think you, they were sprayed with. I couldn't tell you now to tell you the truth, what they're sprayed with now. But yes, you have to act or you lose the crop. And um, and, uh, and, and we, don't, we don't do that. I mean, the blight warnings are given by Metairn. And it's always this time of the year, you know, June, July. And at the same time, when they give a blight warning for potatoes, it's also a warning to sheep farmers um to be careful from from maggots for the blow blow blowfly or the blue fly um to lay you know it's it's eggs in fleeces and you end up with with maggots and awful trouble so the two kind of go hand in hand yeah but anyway but just think you know when you hear those met earning warnings um they've issued two now in the last 10 days you know just just think there was no warning to those millions of people what was it Five or six million people in the country, you know, we're just using like five or six million um, and how many suffered and how many survived. And and how we it's, it's a subject we hardly studied in primary or secondary school, um, because I still think there is such a folk memory, you know, embedded in our heads about the famine
0: and who survived, and how mm. we survived. Uh, right, and uh, also CSO figures have uh, come out uh, about the number of female farmers. Uh, sadly, it's going down. Yeah,
1: and and you know, uh, this is, I, I really get right up about this altogether. Um, we, in 2010, the CO, CASO, Central Statistics Office, had 17,345 women, female farmers, uh, as being the main holders of a farm. And in 2016, the number has dropped to 16,100. That's a fall of over 1,200. Now, the next figures won't be out until um, next year. But um, the extraordinary thing about it is that the same CSO report shows that farm labour, when it comes to farm labour, a quarter of the labour on farms is supplied by 71,000 women. So in terms of ownership and work, The thing is totally imbalanced. And, you know, we're nearly an outlier in this. Um, The likes of Austria in, you know, in the middle of Europe, 33% of farms are owned by women. And the other thing about it here is that of the people who do own it, the majority of of the women who own land, the vast majority are over 65 because they've inherited from husbands who've died and they are left with the decision as to who's passing on to the next generation. Or they're only girls and they inherited by default because, literally by default, because the family name, the surname of the family is still one of the main barriers to female succession on farms. So the importance of the Murphy or the Doyle or the Byrne or oh. the Gibbons name yeah. in, in, on the land. The girl won't carry the name forward. She'll use her husband's name or the children will use the husband's name. And, you know, I remember Mokra a few years ago did a study where parents, fathers, would nearly think of giving a farm to a nephew instead of a daughter so as to ensure that the family name would carry on. Like, it's it's a crazy situation. Um, There was a massive study done in America of 1.2 million farms. And they discovered that, I think, if you if you um, had women um, in, included in the management team, you increased uh, the uh, pr- the farm profits by something around twenty percent, hmm. just when managed by both spouses. And there's an awful lot of women involved in farming, um, but they don't get the recognition for it. And you know, really and truly, the ho- the farm organisations and the institutions that are there to support farming, they really need a shake up in terms of accepting women as farmers and providing them with the supports they need. And that can be as simple as a discussion group that's female only. Because often women are nervous about saying something. Um, they're nervous, you know, they don't want to up, you know, outshine their husbands or they, they think they might not be able to ask a supplementary question or they think they might be laughed at. In, you know, a room of men and often women find themselves in that situation where there might be 30 guys in a room and two women. But um, uh, so they need support. And it's something as simple as a female discussion group in every county or a female dairy group. And I know there's moves to get that to happen where women feel comfortable and then they can move on to the, you know, to the, the other groups afterwards when they get the confidence to do that. Mm. But it, we, we pride ourselves on the words of having family farms in this country. The family farm is what you always talk about. It's not the commercial farm or the non-viable farm. It's the family farm. Well, you can't have family farms unless you have women who are interested and involved. And at the rate we're going, we are we're not taking women's role in farming seriously. Not at all. Yeah. And um, and that really needs to be looked at. And the imbalance needs to be looked at. And women need to look at themselves as well, uh, because in well, in my opinion now, and I know I'm <laughs> uh, but I do feel about this. Um, women need to look at themselves. You know, uh, w- are they encouraging um, you know, if people have an interest in farming, whether it's a girl or a boy, um, if they have an interest, are they being encouraged um, or uh, are they, you know, being told go off to college and get a degree for yourself? Mm. Because now the work, it's not the physical work. It used to be an awful lot of it is head work. An awful lot of it is using the brain instead of the brawn. And um, there was an excuse when the brawn was involved. But when it's the brain, there's absolutely no excuse why women can't be up there and be visible and obviously taken on farms as farm owners and farm managers.
0: Well, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there are many pe- people around the country will know there are many signs, things are turning back to normal, that pubs are starting to open and people are starting yeah. to on holidays. And another sign things are returning back to normal is that <laughs> farmers are protesting again. So uh, socially distanced, it should be said, it's kind of easy for farmers because they can just turn up in their tractors.
1: That's exactly it. It's like a little kind of cocoon inside the cab of a tractor. Yes, IFA, they're taken to the streets on Friday in their tractors and Dublin city traders will be happy to know they're not coming to Dublin. Um, now, there might be a few of them in Dublin, but it's basically what they're doing is they're, they're carrying the message of the common agricultural policy, which they're unhappy with, and the government's climate bill, which they are very unhappy with, to the local towns, to the um, the county towns, stood so many to have a big dependence on the local co-op or the beef processing factory or whatever it is the, the grain mill um, the, the dairy processor all these big businesses that employ together with the food industry over 300,000 people mainly across the country and it's a sector that contributed 13 billion in exports in 2020 in food as well so What they're just wanting to do is bring home the message. It's not going to be a big um, campaign. I think they're hoping maybe 15 or 20 tractors at each location. They just want to make a point and for people to think about it because uh, these negotiations are ongoing. And the biggest fear they have is that the way the whole thing is set up, and I won't even think about going into it, is that viable farm families, the ones where um, you know there's maybe two people working on it and the family's income is coming fully from it not from the, the outside job or the you know the, the 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 dole payments or the pharmacist or whatever it is but are coming from the farm that they will literally fall into the unviable drop or net through a combination of changes in the cap and the climate bill, so anyway, that's that's what they're hoping to
0: to mm. to uh, now, mes- it, get
1: that message across. Is there
0: a connection between cap and the climate bill, or if you like, are they two separate?
1: Well, they're two they're two separate, but they're working in tandem now. The the cap thing has collapsed at the moment, the talks, but um, I presume that that will get up and running again because it it you know it it doesn't um, it, it can't just collapse. They have to get a goal. Um, the Climate Bill, I don't know too many of the details, but I do know there's a lot of concern about it. And particularly farmers want to be acknowledged for their carbon sequestration. Uh, excuse mm. me, I can't pronounce that word properly. Um, in, in hedgerows and the work they're doing and also the research work that's going on in the universities um, and with Chagask in terms of lowering emissions. So there's an awful lot of work happening in that whole area. And they think they need to get the credits for that um, rather than just a cold look at what's happening on the farm now. It's it's what the potential is to change within the next couple of years now that this whole section or this whole area has been taken seriously.
0: Yeah, on the subject of uh, female farmers, uh, Mairead Phelan uh, has texted in to say, I bought my own farm. I'm under 65 and my children have my name. So that's... Uh, um uh, that's well, good. fair juice to her. Fair juice to her, that's, that's good to hear. Uh, on the yeah. subject of wool, Mary says sheep wool is fantastic for insulation. Sitting in my yeah. wonderfully sheep wool insulated house right now, looking out at a chilly garden, such a precious natural commodity, uh, says Mary. So that is possible to do. Uh, well, it
1: is, yeah. And I- insulation is one of the good uses for it. And I presume it'll be one of the ideas that will come forward in in this report which is due now in November.
0: Yeah. Uh, also uh, a, a Bujo Burger Joint in Sandymount, they use wool pouches to insulate their burger kits. Uh for nation one delivery every week says this taxer. I wonder if they any well, connection with the <laughs> What's the name No,
1: what's the name of those people
0: Bu, again? B U J O. Uh, B-U-J-O. uh Bujo. I Bujo. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Um. I must make contact with them right okay yeah, you might have uh, uh, some wool to give them and uh, someone else on Twitter <laughs> says that that uh, government inquiry into uh, wool should be called a wool fleeceability study <laughs> of course it should Mairead lovely to talk to you as ever thanks a million that's uh, Mairead Lavery there you are listening to the Moncrief show on Talk. we're going to take a break after that the library where you can borrow a human Moncrief on Talk.